0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Hack It Out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Hack It Out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lou and Greg,
1: welcome. How are you both doing? We're talking the best five shots every golfer needs. Lou, I know you have all five of these shots.
0: uh, And then some. Yeah, I have all the shots. (laughs)
1: Not sure when not, they're going to happen, but I've got them. Not sure when
0: they're going to happen, <laughs> and I have lots of shots that you don't want. Yeah. Um, just the other day, I I shanked one off the garage wall yet again. Did you? Um, what inside practicing? Oh, I did. Yeah, inside practicing, shanked um, one off the wall. Which is any damage to anything, or did it go? As the wall the net? looking. Uh no, it, it actually caught the wall, and and uh, we got a little bit of a we got a little bit of a ding, uh. um, but uh, we'll we'll recover. So. Yeah.
1: A yeah, bit of filler, painful. no one will ever see it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You've probably got like, uh, are you on first name basis at the hardware store anyway? You could run down at a hardware store. More filler, is on. it, <laughs> sir? <laughs> yeah. More filler, a couple of sets of ropes. Um, yeah. Give me some of that. I'm building
0: yeah,
2: exactly. another gadget. <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: Yeah, right. We're talking best shots that every golfer needs that doesn't, maybe doesn't have. If you haven't got one of these shots, I would definitely think about. Um, getting them in your repertoire. And if we name one or if you've got all five, once we've named them, the next question would be, well, how good are you and comfortable at playing all these shots? I would say all the shots we're about to say, they're they're all ones I personally would, I've got them. I, I know they're needed. I wouldn't want to play golf without them. So the first one's a real basic one. Most golfers have this one, the punch shot. Greg, you punch it in there a bit lower sometimes, approach shots, those kind of things. You've oh, got that
2: shot. mate, I, I, I live for this shot. I, if yeah. I could play the game and never have to hit it up in the air, yeah. it would be so much fun for me because I grew up um, at a golf club called uh, Shelley Beach Golf Club, and that is 200 yards from the breaking ocean on the central coast of uh, Australia on New South Wales. Yeah. And then I moved from there to the third windiest city in the world. Yeah. Uh, which is Perth, Western Australia, or right. third or fourth or something. Yeah, yeah. And so I love hitting the ball low. And so I learned some ways to do it, um, and we can get into that. But basically, you know, it, it, you've know, you got to think about you know, de-lofting it, how you're going to do that, and then also slowing down. Like taking speed off the club head is also a great way to keep the ball down. You don't have to change a lot if you can manage to control the club. Um, just take uh, take – less loft and just swing a little slower and the thing just goes along the ground. It's awesome. Yeah. So, so, oh, so quickly I, I love then. this.
1: Yeah. It's a great shot to have when your drawry as a stock shot, you hit a draw. If I hit mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. punch shot. So we're talking ball back in stance, weight, pressure forwards, handle forwards, trying to deliver less loft. So the ball goes in lower mm-hmm. often. Like Greg says, you're in like a, like you can thump them, but you might be in like, you've got plenty of club and you're just going to knock it forwards. Um, How drawy does yours get, or do you try to calm the draw down? Because
2: so it used to get so go ahead. Sorry, Mike. Well, I was going to
1: say for me, I hit relatively straight, so I play the draw. If I was, I remember when I was a kid and I drew it as a more stock shot, the punch shot, I used to have to try to make it not draw, otherwise, it would really go left. What, how are you doing it?
2: Yeah, so, um, I I started out, I used to hit massive draws, like you said, because obviously, as you move it back in the arc, back towards that back foot, you're catching it away from the inside. Um, with as a path, and so it's very easy to either leave it out to the right for a right hander or, or turn it too much. So, I, I was taught by uh, Colin Swatton for a little while there, Jason Dace coach, and he said, Let's open up everything. So, we basically uh, to negate the inside path, yeah. Now, if I open everything up, and I mean, everything hands, I mean, um, shoulders and feet. And feel like my my mass is aiming further to a left left of the target for a right hander. Yeah, um, that inside path is now actually swinging towards the target. So yeah. now I'm I've got to control the face. Yeah. Um, so that's how I kind of get around it. I just got to work harder on uh, controlling the face because I am swinging not that far from the, from where I want to go anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're it tr-
1: by yes. in effect. Yeah, you're you're numbing how far the path goes to the right, aren't you? Yeah.
2: Yeah. The other shot I, I've just been working on is uh, is like a pitching action, so narrow stance, uh, but with a with a six or a five iron and yeah, like and narrow stance, and and it just uh, everything about it, you can't make a big swing because you've got such a narrow stance. And I'm only I'm only like you could put you know a few inches between my feet, and I just hit this little pitching action. It's like a, just a shoulder to shoulder swing, and that thing comes out like a bullet. Yeah, and it's just really low, and it's really easy to keep it down. So yeah. I love that shot too.
1: Yeah, I like that. And obviously, for lots of golfers, they often think the punch shot is just purely for controlling it into the wind. I remember when I used to play more full-time, if I ever got anxious near the end and I just needed to dump the ball into a position, I'm punching it all day long. It feels so safe. It was a shot I would run to as a bit of a safety blanket. Is that something you would do as well, Greg?
2: Absolutely, yeah. I actually, uh, I, like there's... Um... You know, we're at Pebble Beach this week, the 14th hole, the par five, the layup has just had my number for years. Yeah. And I I try and hit it along the ground almost yeah, now because yeah, yeah. I've only got to hit it 200 yards and it I can say four or five. make that narrow, Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and it, it just like it's windy and it's just like the more the ball's in the air, it feels like something can go wrong. And so I love this little low shot, the little low runner and just get it. And if you get it offline, then it just runs into the rough. Yeah. And I can deal with that, right, versus getting it offline in the air and you know, there's out of bounds right and there's a path left and yeah, off yeah. we
1: go. See I we'll talk about the rough then with uh, Lou. Just a little point there, Lou. I don't know why he's just not knocking it on there in two. That's what I'd be doing. why. Lay up. I don't, know, <laughs> yeah, up. Nice I don't know why I was just yeah. nodding me head. I don't know what he's on about. Laying up. Yeah. What <laughs> some of us play <laughs> off the back tees, man? <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, all right. So
1: um out of the rough, Lou. How are your skills out the rough?
0: Um, they're pretty solid. Um, yeah, you know, I I think honestly for amateur players, um, it's oftentimes less about your skill out of the rough and it's more about club selection. Um, yeah. and and I'm gonna say, you know, that's not always the case. There's no there's no absolutes here, but I can't tell you how many times I've seen or I'll look in the Arcos data, and I'll look at players that are hitting three wood out of the rough. Really? Um, and the and the and the ball goes. 40 yards (laughs) Um, there's so many of those shots. And and I play with guys like that, that get off into the rough and, you know, maybe they hit a really poor tee shot or whatever the case, it it hits a tree or they're just a long way out on a long hole and the ball's in the rough and it's sitting down and they immediately go to their longest club, which is their three wood. And I'm looking at this thinking, ah, you know, you're a, you're a 19 handicap and you're trying to hit three wood on a ball that I'd be you know lucky to get eight iron on. Um, and this is not going to – you you can't get a three-wood on that. So, you know, to me, that's a, a very important thing for players when they get into the rough is being able to accurately assess the lie and understand what club you're going to be able to get on the ball. Yeah, I like that. I, Dude, mean,
2: I, I, I Sorry, Mike. I see that in pro-ams all the time. Yeah, like, honestly, yeah. I'll walk over and I'll look and I'll go, I think I would hit a nine-iron or a seven <laughs> or an eight-iron and you've yeah. got a hybrid or a three-wood. Yeah. And and that. Like I would say this: if you're warming up and you take, there's usually some rough somewhere. Just throw throw three balls in there and see if you can get a three wood on it out of a bad lie. And if you can, well done, you're very strong. Likely not, yeah, right. So, and then you'll be able to take that out in the golf course and go. Well, I know I can't do that, and at least get this thing in it because you need that loft to get it up and out out of there.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point, Greg. And I think it always amazes me the little amount of time amateurs spend practicing assessing lies as Lou says so I see assessing lies as literally trial and error for amateurs you know I recognize that lie and I did that three times already and it didn't work those kind of discussions so when you talk about assessing lies but you know when I've been on the course with students they go well I look at that and I haven't got a clue I, I you say assess it how do I assess it I don't know I don't know what happens out of that lie and I think well Go on then, that's it, a free word. The best way to learn is just to get in there and see what you can do and can't do for people because the more times you bang your head against a brick wall, people tend to move to the side, open the door, and walk through the door rather than bang their head against the brick wall, but they've got to bang their head a bit against the brick wall. Um, getting in the rough more for and actually practising what comes out and what doesn't, would be so valuable. They... I mean, you know the stats, Lou, of how much they spend in the rough, how much time amateurs spend in the rough. They spend plenty in there, don't they?
0: A lot of, yeah. Um, I mean, amateurs as a group are 50%. You know, Some, the more accurate, are you know, a little bit more accurate than that um, as far as hitting fairways. And there's a lot of ams that are down you know, around 40% fairway set and some even lower. So yeah. we are in the rough quite a bit on our tee shots. And, and so having that skill and understanding club selection and then, you know understanding um how the ball um you know potentially is going to react out of whatever lie you're looking at um i i think ams are guys like at, at Greg's level and it's it's even it's hard but they are incredibly good at um understanding how a ball is going to come out of yeah. a, a given lie. Yeah. Um, it always impresses me with, you know, sometimes, I, very occasionally I get to play with some very elite players and their ability to – to, and maybe it's just how they're delivering the club, and that's the biggest difference between them and me, um, and they're able to adjust um, a whole lot better than I am, but it's always a very, very impressive skill to me. Yeah. It's
2: almost but, like we're a genius when you say like, – Almost, yeah. but, you know, I do want to go genius. back. I was
0: surprised <laughs> – With the punch shots, I was surprised at how technical you were about the punch shots and how you, what you're thinking about and how you changed and what your adjustments are. An artiste like myself, I'm just seeing shots. And it's hitting easy. shots. So what you talked about with all your setup, I, I don't even know what that means. I'm just out there hitting golf shots and painting pictures. <laughs>
2: painting yeah, Like we said, yeah. With crayons. <laughs> with
0: crayons.
1: Messy, like two-year-old ones. Yeah. But they're lovely.
2: I'll, I'll, say, I'll say this on the, rough, on the rough discussion. It's not that pros are geniuses. We just learn very fast. Yeah. Right. Like if we, we just see it's like, we look down and we go, well, I tried that other club and I didn't move the ball very far. So I'm not doing that again. Yeah.
1: Right? Yeah. It's,
2: it's as simple as that. And you know, when your livelihood's on the line, I think you you definitely have a, a penchant for learning quickly. Yeah. What's gonna- I had a really
0: good player tell me, Greg, um, they said the thing that drives them crazy more than anything is when they catch the extreme flyer out of the rough Oh, they can't stand that yeah yeah um yeah. is that like does that does that make you cringe a little bit when you when you hear about yeah. this oh, yeah and you have yeah. To,
2: yeah. yeah and it have, most of the time you know it's going to happen but you still adjust and then it doesn't matter how much you adjust it just goes like, a, yeah, like, a, like know, it yeah you know like motors out of there uh yeah it's incredibly hard to judge and that's usually you know what I would say if it's dry and it looks brown, rough. Then there's a good chance you're going to get that fly. If it's super green and, um, you know you're not, you're probably likely the overseeded ryegrass we have over here. It's likely just going to slow the club down and chunk you end up out, not yeah. hitting it very, not hitting it very far.
0: Yeah, True. Right,
1: yeah. The other thing with rough as well for your amateur to your tour player, the tour player has more options as Lou obviously knows as well because of the speed they've got. So they've got more options on the table. Your average everyday golfer listening with less speed, you've got less options and sometimes less imagination as in in that situation and less awareness. So you're, you're just losing on every level, which is why Lou's rightly saying just assessing lies, taking more loft generally as a rule is, is going to be a good place to start from. Um shot number three that you need so better better options better reading lies out of rough definitely needed and as much speed one more point just quickly with the rough I see golfers do their swing forts in the rough you know that, so they're doing a they're on the tee and they're working on their backswing so they do their like takeaway and they're doing a demo mm. they get in the rough they do the same I think that's just a 10 finger muscle I don't care what you yeah. do. forget that takeaway yeah. you need to up the speed by X percent that's all you need to do with loads of loft mm-hmm. and aim over into that jungle of fairway that one and you know they do their demo practice swing in the rough and then just do their normal light swing and it just goes I just think what are you doing like that yeah. is a muscle. No. That's not finesse. There is no painting pictures there. That is brute force. Yeah, um, you can just sit it as, hard as you can. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next shot you need is some good chipping skills, and I am going to say you need to have a mid-range launching chip. You need a high one, and you also need a low one. These are skills I like to see amateurs get a little bit better at. Obviously, you can do that with loft, and that's good but I also like to see golfers do it with one loft, being able to mix it. And then again, they have more choices. Uh, Greg, you've got a great short game. I'm sure you can take your 60 degree in it, a low fizzer in there, a flop shot, and then the standard medium height shot in there. You've just got more weapons when the course demands that you use one of them, I guess, haven't you?
2: Yeah, I, I, I've worked pretty hard on this actually, and, and have done for a number of years. Um, yeah, so I can take – I have a 58 degree and, and I can move that ball position slash slash shaft lean. Sorry, yep. there's too many SHs in there <laughs> for me. Um, anyway, and I can move that anywhere from uh, like really low ones, like two or three inches behind my back foot um, to very neutral slash middle of my stance or just just slightly in front of middle. Um, if I want to hit it super high, yeah, um, and the stance width can change a little bit. Uh, if I want to go higher, it's going to be you know sometimes a little wider than that. Yeah. Um, and I get I get and I sit down a little bit sometimes if I want to go that way. Or I've tried your shot, Mark, that you taught me, which was the more upright handle, uh, higher. using the yeah handle higher yeah. using the bounce of the club. That's very safe, and I'm really loving that shot. Thank yeah. you for that. I'm sorry. Um, if you can explain that again, if you like, but uh, yeah, I've, it's definitely something that. You know, amateurs. Um, I would say most of the people I've seen, they really struggle. Most struggle with really high ones, yes. Um, particularly off tight lies, yeah. Um, but just understanding shuffling and 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 moving the ball around in the stance is okay. Yeah, you can. If you good. can play around a little bit with that,
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lou, are you are you a use the loft only, or can you manipulate launch with one club? It's something you're pretty good at now, isn't it? You practice it. You talk about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with that, but I I try to uh, approach chipping um, and pitching around the green very much like, uh, you know, Dave Pell's with partial wedges, you know, the clock system where I have, you know, different different backswing lengths with a number of different clubs and I know how far they typically carry. And so, you know, I have a standard, you know, off my right foot and I can hit anything from a seven iron to a 60 degree wedge. And I know about how far they will go. So when I get into a situation where the ball is just off the green and I only have, you know, eight inches of rough to go through and then it's it's fringe and, and green, depending on how far away I am from the flag is is what will dictate what club I choose. Yeah. Um. And and so in that situation, like I have a, a an eight yard shot, an 11 yard shot, a 14 yard shot, and it's just by changing clubs. And then I have another swing that is a, a medium length, and then a, a longer length one. Um, and so I'm trying to control how high I hit it as is, is much through club selection as I possibly can. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 then I do have the ability to take, you know, I have a 60 in the bag, and I can hit that a little bit higher, a little bit lower as I need to. Nowhere near Greg's skill. I mean, obviously, not even not even close to that. But I try to avoid that. Yeah. Um, I really try to not do those things. I try to have nothing but stock moves and change the club as much as I can. Yeah. And I've found, for me, that's much more effective than, you know, than trying to hit every different kind of shot with a 60-degree wedge. That's not as effective. What, what is your favorite short game shot, Greg? Like if you got to just hit one, what do you, what do you like to hit? Not necessarily oh, your just, best, but what do you like to hit?
2: Uh, low, but you're always low. If I you could just, worried. if, if I, that? if, yeah, yeah, <laughs> if, yeah, if I, I don't mind putting it, just feels safe to me. It always has.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, put What's the club back. And, that you would pull as well to hit that? Have you got like, if you just going into a green. 58. Yeah. yeah. You're still yeah, going to hit it low with your 58. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Look, unless I'm like, got to go a long way and then I'll pull 7 iron yeah, down yeah. and run along the yeah. ground or that kind of thing. But that's my favorite because I can just, I can do so much with it. And I lived with it in my hands when I was a kid. That yes. was what I, we did, you know, we just, we grabbed one club, and that was the club you grabbed, and, and, and then comb. you went and yep, off we go. Let's go <laughs> and do that's this. Your for highest couple. lofted
0: club, fifty-eight. That's your yes. highest lofted club, yeah. And have yeah. you ever had sixty?
2: Uh, I have, and then I had a really long discussion with Bob Vokey about it. Who makes Vokey wedges? And he was who? just talking, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and,
0: <laughs> and
2: uh, we chatted about it because uh, I was actually finding on some fifty yard, fifty to seventy yard sort of pitch shots. It just it was just the ball wasn't sticking on the face and i think we chatted about that before there wasn't a, it was just sliding up the face a little much and um i just didn't need that loft that much loft i'm, I'm good with 58 so
0: yeah, we pretty we pretty run good. in different circles, Greg. When I have club questions, I, I talk to my buddy, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> like he's going to the guy that made the club. So, Bob, tell me what you think about this wedge. <laughs> it's very different, man. <laughs> Mark's like a 14 handicap. He's like, no, no, let me talk to you about the bounce. I'll tell you how it works. Yeah. I'm going, going to the guy who designed it and built it. <laughs> yeah, nice. I like that. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So working on those skills, and I I, I think both ways work, but certainly having a mid-high. A and a low launch and shot if you need to do it just with loft, so changing, that works. But practising it with one club as well is also a really good skill to have. Just giving yourself more options, variations around the green is only going to help you, basically, as you get in the many situations we get in out on the golf course. Uh, Shot number four, this is one of my favourites. We talked about this the other day. Greg's already mentioned this as a punch shot, but it doesn't have to be a punch shot. Is having more club and hitting it softer. And that's basically mm. how I grew up playing golf. I had a, I started playing golf with just like, you know, I had a three iron, a five iron, a seven iron and a nine iron and maybe a one wedge. And I was always choosing because I had two, you know, a gap between each club. I was always going way above and then coming down. I was never whacking one hard. And obviously, if you're someone listening and you hate that shot and you just like to top end every club, keep doing it. This isn't a must but it's certainly a skill I like my amateurs to have. Uh, Greg, I know it's a shot you've played. we talked about it in other pods. Lou, are you, is it a shot that fears you, like it's a six iron, but you're going to hit a soft five, or is it something you play?
0: Um, it is something that I play when the wind gets up, okay. um, and it's also something that I've worked on quite a bit, um, these softer shots, to um, make my backswing shorter. Like having a really, really long backswing was something I struggled with. And when I hit these little soft punchy shots, um, it feels like I'm taking a half or three quarters backswing and I look at it on video and and I'm like, whoa, that's that's a full swing. (laughs) Um, And so I I think amateurs would benefit from this skill for a lot of different reasons. And one of the things I really like to do, um, and I I do this with um, the college team that I that I work with. Um, we go out and I have them hit whatever number we're hitting to, whether it's 140, 180, 200, I have them hit two clubs less than they otherwise would. So if it's typically an eight iron for them, I'd have them hit six. Um, If it's typically, uh, you know, whatever it is, I'd, I'd have them hit two less. And I've had a number of them tell me that they have adopted this approach now in the wind. So instead of swinging at everything extremely hard, they're throttling back now, um, and throttling back, reducing all that spin when it gets windy like that. Especially when you're into the wind, you know, makes a huge difference um, in you know how far the ball is going to be able to go, and, and maybe controlling distance a little bit better. But I'm a huge fan of that. I work on that. Um, I could certainly be a lot better, but it's something that that I've started to work on quite a bit in my own game.
1: Yeah, I like it, and it's a shot you definitely see amateurs. not amateurs as a whole because obviously there's plenty who like that shot too but you do see some who who fear that shot a little bit greg don't they they feel like they're going to crash if they're not hitting it at speed they don't like to go softer almost do you see yeah, that doing
2: that? yeah yeah absolutely i think it's something that you can you can sort of bring into your when you're warming up and just start just hit just little shots yeah. you know and it's great for it's great for hand control it's great for body awareness of how you're moving and what you're doing Um, I really love to just try and hit little tiny draws and fades with, you know, I grab an eight iron or a seven iron and I'm only hitting them 100 yards, 120 yards. It's not far, but it gives me a nice feeling of, okay, now I'm really focused on good contact and I'm really seeing just small ball flights that I like to see. And it gives me a good feeling of how to control that club face uh, through the impact area. Um, And then we might find, like we've spoken, we're talking about here, you might find you develop a shot that you You're actually going to use, yeah, um, and which is useful to have, and it's it's just about experimenting a little bit, and you know, like we always say, the range is a safe place, yeah, and you you can you can goof around on the range, yeah, yeah, Um, and so if you don't like doing on the golf course, that's fine, just but uh, have a bit of fun on the range. It's actually fun. Yeah, like it's like it's really enjoyable.
1: Yeah, totally. And the reason lots of amateurs do crash with uh, that shot. Sorry, Lou. Go on. What were we going to say,
0: Lou? Yeah, I, I want to jump in. So after I uh, got my launch monitor many, many, many years ago, um, <clears throat> I what I found extremely interesting was, and and there's probably some good explanations you both could get into around this. Is when I started to hit intentionally hit shots a little bit softer. Um, what I noticed was my club speed wasn't down all that much. And it's almost like my sequencing was much better, much more efficient in that situation. And so I was hardly losing any speed where it felt like I was losing a lot more than I really was. And I was improving my strike because when, you know, at least for me, my tendency is to probably swing a little bit hard and and you <laughs> guys joke about the flailing bits, but it's true and everything would get kind of out of sequence and and, and the club might go a few miles per hour faster, um, whatever whatever I'm swinging, but my strike would be a whole lot, uh, it would be all over the face. Um, and if you can hit the center of the face more often or closer to the center of the face more often you are going to hit the ball farther. A ball hit typically on the center of the face is going to go farther than a ball hit, you know, for me, close to the heel. Yeah. Um, and, and so is there, is that a way for some of us amateurs that potentially struggle to try and get more solid contact is to, I don't want to say swing slower, because that sounds wrong. I know what you're but, saying. But, but does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Trying so- to try to do that as an am.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does. So it's horses for courses. It's the player specific. Um, So, for instance, if I hit a softer one, the numbers drop way down. Like they totally do drop like six mile an hour slower. Um, You know, when I look at it on my launch, when I hit a soft eight and then a hard eight, they're very different numbers. Um, The reason amateurs tend to crash with hitting it softer is they tend to just stop their body movement they tend to just kind of stop moving and then they just swing their arms and they just tend to fall into the ground. Um, so where when they're hitting their flat out swings, they get everything turning and moving. It's a, There's flailing parts, like you're saying, Lou. Um, but when you tell them to hit a soft one, they kind of stop moving. And then what happens without the rotations, they don't really quite get through the ball as well as they could and they have their crashes. Um, you do see some golfers improve their strikes if they go for that, you know, more club, softer club, uh, a softer hit. What you tend to see as well is they tend to have way less pressure shifts. So they stay much more with the ball. They're not going their normal pull off the balls. And then that it's that that's encouraging often the better strikes. It's not that they're going slower. It's that when they go slower, in inverted commas they move their pressures differently and then that moves their low point. So it's actually, it's, it's, so then it's, the question is, well, can we go at normal speed and not shift those pressures? Do you see what I mean? So it's like you find a solution by accident almost by playing that shot.
0: Um, Yeah. Like for me, I was, I would struggle to get um, weight over to my lead side early enough. Yeah. Um, And when I, When hitting flat out or when hitting mm -hmm. small? when hitting flat out yeah yeah um and, right. and so when i you know now with irons you i up. can you know i can hit a wedge a lot farther than i am but it's so much easier for me now to to not swing full out yeah, full bore with a wedge and get weight over to the left side yeah. which helps for a, in a lot of different ways as as you both know it's, so it's, um, yeah,
1: it's the classic, I do it a lot, like if you do your feet together drill, you know, you get a 7-9 in your hand, put your feet together and just swing flat out. People tend to strike it quite well because as soon as they start pulling off the ball too much or shifting forward of it, they fall over, feet together, they stay quite kind of with that strike and you, you often see some better um, patterns of strikes and that's going softer and flat out, so it's not, the lots of people relate it to the speed because, you know the cliche in golf that's been said for years. All oh, because I and I know you try to avoid it in the way you ask the question. You know, you go slower and you'll lit it better kind of stuff, which has been said for years. It, it's not actually that. It's that the way they create that speed is what is the issue. So, can we get you created that speed without having those big pull offs the ball or whatever it is? But. Certainly having more club soft is a great skill to practice and lose right. Like if you start, I mean, that's what I found. And when I was playing, I just hit the ball really well. My approach shots were way better if I was hitting more club less than hitting less club flat out. Like if I was to go and film a video now and every approach shot, I had to hit one club less, but hard. And then we played the about nine the other way round. You keep playing that. I can tell you now my scores are going to be better the other way around. Me flat out is not, I don't, with an iron, that's not how I perform. Um, and again, it's horses, of course. There's plenty of students I've taught who hit shots flat out, and that is how they perform. So you do have to have it specific to you. Um, really good skill to have, as Lou said as well, into the wind, isn't it, Lou? Like you said, just to recap, more club softer into yeah. the wind is a great skill to have, yeah. isn't it? Um, sure. Shot number five. And if you're liking these shots um, or this pod, make sure you do give us a follow on whatever podcast um, carrier or whatever you're listening to us us on. And also don't be afraid to leave a review. Uh, The most underrated shot for shot five, I think, one of golf's most underrated skills, the chip out. So I would call the chip out like, you know, pine needles, sand, dry dirt. You know, you're in the scrub and there's a gap. Can you get through the gap? Can you even get through the gap and turn the ball? These are things that I like. I put it, we, I want Lou to do a deep dive. I haven't got a deep dive button yet. I should have done that. Do that <laughs> so let's deep, do the deep, deep dive. dive. <laughs> um, on recovery shots, uh, uh with Arcos I've already because, done that. Yeah, but I, oh, good. Well, <laughs> well, we'll talk about it and do it. As in, how. I personally am gonna guess that better players, their recovery skills are way higher than your average players or lower handicaps. Certainly when it comes to pros, you do see it. Just go on Instagram. You see recovery shots. These guys and girls are pulling off great ones. I see crazy ones from everyday golfers. Is that fair? And I see the ones I see is chip out sideways when there's loads of room forwards. That one blows my head off. I see chip out sideways, but they only chip it 20 yards, where if they chipped it 60, they would be 30 yards closer because there is a slight angle. That one blows my head off. And then I see people, like, on sand and scrubby lies choosing their wedge, and then it just digging Mm. and duffing. I'm like, why did you not use your hybrid or your chipper or your 7-iron, just run it forwards? Like, that was a horrible lie. Well, it's a short shot, they say. Yeah, but... (laughs) It, it, wedges for short just, shots, but look at the yeah, lie. it's yeah, got a sharp yeah. edge, it's good enough. Chip outs, I think it's the most underrated skill in golf.
2: It's, I'll, I'll say that you are right, and, and I am, um, it's not, it's something I haven't been very good at in my career. <laughs> I've, I tend to, I actually say to my caddy, if you know, every time I get in new caddy, hey, when we're getting out of trouble, just make sure you tell me not to be a fool, right? Yeah. <laughs> because I'll do stuff, and I'm like, what are you trying to do? You know, yeah. trying to be too perfect or. Like you talking about, I'll, pu- I'll pull a wedge off sand or something yeah. like that. I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah, um, I just lose my mind sometimes when I get a bit stressed. So uh, um, I actively have to think, okay, let's let's break this down about where we're trying to go here and what's the easiest way to do it. But yeah, it's um, it's definitely something I see when I play pro-ams. People, are, I'm like, oh Why wow, I can't believe you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like they uh, chip
1: it out and it, and it doesn't make the fairway. And it's not that they've yeah. duffed it; they've just did it. I just think. This fairway is forty yards wide on this line, and you've yeah. chipped that twenty yards. You've got you could chip that anywhere between thirty yards yeah. and seventy yards, and you would hit that fairway.
2: Yeah, it's like I, they're not
1: thinking I, sometimes I, in the chip out world, isn't it? I'm that,
2: guilty of that, no question. The
1: emotions grab us. Lose. What, what's your chip out game like?
0: Um, it's pretty good. Um. I've spent a lot of times in the trees, so I I have have shots from there. But, you know, I think to me the most important thing for amateur players here is what comes before the recovery shot, what comes before the chip out. And we want to try to avoid as many of these as possible. Yeah. You know, us amateurs, we hit into lots of bad situations and oftentimes we're making Know bad decisions off the tee, whether that be club selection or target selection, and we need to avoid these areas. And it, it's pretty striking when you look at the data. And this is just going to make sense, right? It's it's pretty obvious. But when you look at at the data, regardless of what your handicap is, you hit way more tee shots into recovery situations in your bad rounds and that's, what's driving up your score. Yeah. So we need to avoid those rounds, even to the point where, you know, I can find rounds where a player did not hit it all that great off the tee, um, but they did not hit it into penalties and they did not hit it into recovery situations. So they were just maybe scrubbing it around, but they were keeping it in play and not in recovery situations. And their scoring is not impacted anywhere near as much as when they, you know, hit seven or eight drives, just absolutely striped and flushed. And they, you know, they bail three, three shots, 70 yards, right. And they're, you know, coming out sideways or trying to come out sideways because yeah. oftentimes us amateurs are compounding those mistakes in recovery situations. And, and we're, we're trying to bite off way more than we can chew. Yeah. So, I like probably that. a lot more info than you wanted to know, but it, it's a, it's a, it's a, low-hanging fruit for a lot of amateurs
1: yeah avoiding them definitely would always avoiding be your the first port of call but let's pretend we do go in them <laughs> <clears throat>
0: let's pretend we do go in them. let's just we, we, pretend
1: uh, that we go in. us them amateurs <laughs> and greg, I, i'm sure you see
0: this all the time in your pro-ams greg you see amateurs making horrible decisions when they get into recovery situations It'll, like if yeah, you're yeah. not there guiding them like at least i know my buddies are like i you know i can thread the needle i'm like there's there's no, there's no needle there. (laughs) Like it's just a wall of trees. Like there's no opening. There's always a gap. There's There's not a gap. So we need to come out sideways. And I have gotten significantly more conservative when I get into those situations. I'm trying to advance it as far as I can, but I'm trying to be safe about it. And if it's a wall of trees, I'm not going to you know, try to take that on. Yeah. At all. You
2: almost you almost need people to play two golf balls, don't you, sometimes and say, okay, you do you do your thing where you try to hit it through the tree and then here's the other option. We're gonna play that second ball and see which which guy's gonna gonna win out. Yeah. You know, because it is it is I I'd say one of the biggest things that I've struggled with in my career is when I'm when I'm playing those shots, it just feels weak. Yeah. You know, like the emotion of it gets me. I just I just feel like it's too safe and I'm like but and it's so much fun to try and hit that other shot, and then until you don't pull it off and make seven, yeah. you know, like I think, yeah, you just, you, yeah,
1: I think it works both ways. From the students I've worked with, I, I agree. Like you get the ones who want to hit it through a wall of trees, and you just think there's no gap there. Like I wouldn't even do that on YouTube. Try and thread that one through there, and we've got a rule when we film our rounds. Like if there's a gap, you got to go for it. Because what's the point in bringing the camera? Like, no one wants us to watch us chip it out. It's funnier if the ball hits the tree and comes back and hits us. Like, we'd rather that happen. <laughs> yes. At least we went for it. Um, but I see it the other way as well with amateurs. I, I think we definitely can all agree there's people who do that. But I see people just chipping out sideways when they don't need to. Like, they think you know. they've got to chip out sideways. I think, well, there's another fairway over there. Just whack a nine iron over there, 100 yards that way. And they're like, yeah, but the hole's up there. Yeah, but you're only going to have 40 yards in from up there. If you chip it out sideways, you've got like 120 in. Like, what well,
0: the architect did not intend that, but it's
1: that creativity. I think sometimes they look back to their fairway, and I'm, I'm talking like I can think of holes where there's adjacent holes left and right that you could hit a full shot up. I mean, the amount of holes I've gone, I mean, and then I don't do this much to be fair because I'm relatively accurate, but there are holes where. You know, I'm on the wrong hole. I don't try and get it back on my hole all the time. Sometimes I just think, right, well, I'm, the next tee's up there. I can see it. I'm going to try and whack it on the next tee and then pitch it across. There you go. Rather Greg, than have going you going 20 ever... yards across out onto the fairway.
0: Yeah. Have you ever had a situation, Greg, where you and your caddy were just viol- in violent disagreement in, in a recovery situation and you, you thought one thing and your caddy thought another <sighs> Greg's thing? always wrong. Um, right. How can you be in uh, disagreement? <laughs> number two yeah, Greg yeah, in golf. You just can't who's paying two, the,
1: the bill? Exactly. Right? <laughs> you're like, asking the wrong person here, Lou. You're yeah, right, asking the right. other <laughs> one. <laughs> I
2: bet I know there have been plenty of times where my caddy, if he hasn't said it, he's wanted to say, "What you're an idiot. Yeah. Like, what are you thinking? Right? Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, there's more often than not you're just sort of saying, right, get out of the way, I got this one. Because there are <laughs> some times when it actually worked out, when you can look back afterwards and go, that well, worked. I don't know what you're worried about. I always had that one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I was always going to pull that off. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah sometimes you you know a faint heart never won a fair lady that's what thy mum
1: used to say you <laughs> yeah. got to have it, you got to have a go I like that i like that so oh. chip outs get smarter with them get creative with them look around don't just look at your fair way there's other ways of getting from a to b and often when you're off piece you do have to start looking backwards, sideways, forwards, other holes, other tees, those kind of things. Yeah. And at the same time, there's plenty of times where just chipping it back out in play is definitely the play. But I I, I think it's the emotion. I think some I think some amateurs as well, they, they, they're they, not confident they're going and whack it up at another tee because the other group's there and they feel a bit silly and it's things like that as well, which I also understand. But if you're playing for your handicap or playing for score, they won't mind. Just get up there and giggle about it. If you make the joke about it before them, ice is broken and no one cares. You, you know, just be out there enjoying it. But chip outs, so I definitely think people can get better at them.
0: We've talked about this before. We used to, and I'm sure you, you you've both played this, but we used to play a game all the time where, um, you know, with with some cash on the line, and we played barkies where if you hit a tree and then made a birdie, it was worth a lot more. Okay. So on par fives, we would just intentionally blasted into the trees <laughs> and on this. short par fours we would intentionally blast it into the trees yeah, yeah. and hope for a good bounce yeah yeah right so sometimes you got a good bounce uh, sometimes you didn't um but we would i was in the trees a whole lot from playing that game which is probably why uh, it probably contributed to being relatively decent in recovery yeah, situations. yeah well
1: practiced absolutely well, there you go. Five uh, golf shots that every golfer needs. If you haven't got those five golf shots, you should start practice on and uh, um, you know getting them in your repertoire. If you have got them already, how confident are you to play each one? Would be the next question because they're certainly shots that will arise in many rounds of golf that you play. Um, and if you've got that armory, there's a good chance you're going to have a lower score next time you play. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hack it out golf podcast with you every week, sometimes twice weekly at the moment as well. If you're enjoying it, let us know. Don't be afraid to hit the like button and also subscribe if you want to not miss out on the next great pod. Thanks for listening.